This is the Stages of She podcast, all about women, the lives we lead, the things we care about, the ways we grow, change, relate, and everything in between. All from the perspective of your three hosts, Christina Godfrey, Liz Thomas, and Sarah Strasbaugh. We're each living different lives in three different generations, finding similarities along the way as we connect and support the women we love. Welcome back to Stages of She. We're here with your hosts, me, Liz Thomas, and Sarah Strasbaugh, and Christina Godfrey. And in case you're just tuning in, this is our third episode of season two. And we're just um, thrilled to be back. And today we're going to talk all about women and the politics of being a woman from kind of the he said, she said standpoint. So is anybody cringing yet? <laughs> I'm cringing and I'm supposed to be talking about this. I don't even understand what that means. He said, she said. Well, so. we can talk that through <laughs> what it means to us. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, Sarah, does that have a meaning to you? Actually, that's probably a good place to start because it's going to be the title of our episode. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we had kind of this conversation already off mic um, when it was just us and we were chatting about, you know, in friendships and relationships with other women, there's kind of unspoken rules, right? Gossip, how to deal with women that are in different stages of their life, but you still want to have a friendship with them. And we're like, okay, how do we capture this under one topic? Um, So it won't really be under one topic, but we have some bullet points here ready to go over and share with everyone. And I really do think we'll each have a lot of thoughts and insight um, on all these topics we're going to touch on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any feelings about it now that we're talking about it again, Christina? Because sometimes we plan these episodes and then it's a few weeks before we record. So it kind of builds up in the recesses of our minds. (laughs) No, I think think it's something that every woman has to deal with and it's something I talk about with my friends and so I think it's I'm interested to know you know how you guys navigate these situations in your stages of life so hopefully everyone else will find that interesting as well yeah yeah and because we like to break it up because we're kind of creatures creatures of habit and also um, total nerds. I think we're all nerdy in our own way. We do always. I'm like not a nerd. Talk. What are you talking yeah, about? Come on. come on. You don't get to say that. <laughs> you're a cool nerd, but you're still a nerd. <laughs> okay. Um, that also just dated me because I don't even think kids these days use. Yeah, that what word. is a nerd? They don't even say the word. No. Isn't it a candy? <laughs> mm. Yeah. There's and a word, yeah. and I can't think of it. And we're going to get laughed at if anyone under 25 is listening to this. Yes. Please put it in the comments, what we're actually supposed to say these days. Um, But we do like to start with weekly wisdom. And it's, it's just something that, I don't know, I find value in it. I hope our listeners find value. But every week holds different challenges and successes and insights. So for this week, Christina, do you want to kick us off? Okay. So I actually 
had a weekly wisdom, but I'm changing it right now because I was just listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is Ed Milet, for those of you who don't know. And they were talking about how mistakes are actually your greatest lessons in life. And I feel that I always think that way. And it just, it just sort of reiterated that if you can, if you can, anything that happens in your life, and if you can reframe it in a way that teaches you a lesson rather than to beat yourself up over it. I think you are, you're going to learn so much more from it. And the the key was to reframe. You can reframe anything that happens to you. And I like to do this a lot. And it's something that you have to practice. But, you know, we can, we can tell the same story but it's the way that we frame it. You know, the same, something can happen to us and it's the way we frame it that is really the the truth. Basically, anything that happens to us in life, the facts are the same, but it's the way we frame it that determines how it shapes our future. So it's the same as finding a silver lining. You're always trying to find what is, how is this working for me? What is the lesson I can learn so that we're not stuck in the past, beating ourselves up over something that we feel like we didn't do right, or that was a mistake, but we're actually using it to our benefit for the future. Was that a recent Ed Milet episode? It's one that launched today. So for listeners who might be listening to this later, it's the title is uh, ten times. If, if you see ten times in the in the title, you'll. But it's really good, and I I have to say that a lot of what they're talking about, I already practice. So that was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I just practice because it comes over. I think because of with age comes wisdom or how I've experienced life, I just automatically revert to how is this, how, how is this serving me? How can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I turn this into a positive rather than being a victim? Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, the victim complex is like the easier road at the beginning sometimes, but it actually ends up becoming the harder route if you, always revert to being the victim in the situation, right? Well, and it actually ties into the wisdom I was going to share at the beginning is that we, when we are triggered by anything that happens to us, that is where you you need to pay attention and that is where you need to do the work. So if somebody cuts you off in the car or your husband says something to you that you don't like, or your kids do something, anything that gives you that feeling of, or brings up anger or sadness or whatever it is, pause, take a moment, write it down if you have to, but that is on you. And that's where you have to do the work. It's not on the other person for making 
They didn't make you feel that way. That's being a victim. I needed to hear that today. <laughs> Me too. I mean, it's really all about us. And and that sounds egotistical, but but it's not in that you cannot change anybody else. You cannot, you cannot, you know, it's like thinking in the way that it's not really any of your business what's going mm -hmm. on with the other person. It's how is it affecting you? That's the only thing you have control over. Mm-hmm. And do you choose every day is a choice? Do you want to feel good or do you want to feel bad? And if you want to feel good, then you have to take any situation that comes your way and you have to frame it in a way that makes you feel good. You can frame it in a way that makes you feel bad if you want to, but why would you choose that? It's funny because my weekly wisdom probably needs your weekly wisdom to <laughs> support what I was trying to share, which is... Um, my car was hit in a parking lot, like not a big deal. I wasn't in the car, you know, scrape, dent, it's fine. But all of a sudden when insurance was involved and I had to schedule an appointment with the repair shop and waiting for the other insurance to call me, I felt this rush of like frustration and anger that my week wasn't going how I wanted it to go. It was taking up all this time. I was waiting on other people and I was like, building up this like anger and frustration. So my weekly wisdom is going to be that I, I saw myself doing that and I had to shift my perspective and go, these things are going to happen in life. Let me take a deep breath and just go through the process and, you know, try to just see that it, it's going to happen. I just have to work through it. And why let it upset me. That's my choice. That's my perspective of how I'm going about the situation that, you know, is unavoidable. These things totally happen. Right. Reframe it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you yeah. did. Take so I, so that's good. Yeah. I, I took a deep breath yesterday after fueling the fire and feeling so upset and frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I'm only going to let this build if I let it. So even hearing Christina's wisdom makes me feel even better that I just need to like reframe it and, and go with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a different weekly wisdom too. And then, you know, it's interesting now and we'll have to talk about this in an episode at some point, maybe with another podcaster. But when people start to hear about your podcast, it's really easy to get nervous that someone's going to hear what you're saying and be offended. Maybe someone, you know, on a one-to-one -one basis. And I've been having this thought process this week about, and it kind of feeds into what you're both saying in a way about, you know, we should be able to have the conversations we want to have in life and do things that are within our zone of genius and not be afraid of the repercussions or the outcome. Not to say that you should be unkind or say anything that is unnecessarily mean, but it fed into this whole experience I had today, which feeds into our larger topic with someone who just said this really off-putting thing to me. And I won't even say where it was because I don't want to like make that a thing in case anyone local is listening. But I did stew on it for like a while. And then I talked to my husband and I had this whole game plan for like talking to this person. And then I decided this is not even worth it. Like, I'm just not even going to worry about this. And it was a good reminder of like, what do you want to put your energy into? 
<laughs> which goes back to what you were saying, Christina, of, you know, you can only control, it doesn't matter what that person was thinking or doing, right? It just is my decision how much time I want to spend on it. Right. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it's not worth getting yourself in a state of stress and and who knows what that other person is going through or where mm -hmm. what what frame of reference they're coming from you just have no idea so it might really have nothing to do with you and all. it probably doesn't because we all think it comes back so, to us being the most important thing which maybe is right. the point of my wisdom which is that None of us is that important. You have to be important to yourself. But like other people have a million things going on. You might be like the tiniest right. little person in their day, you know? So, right. I think that they are a good friend and they are somebody that really hurt you and it is worthwhile to bring it up. Then then that's that's a little bit different, but mm -hmm. that will be done. That should be done in a very respectful, caring way where you aren't annoyed with them. You want to know how they're feeling. And mm -hmm. yeah. And then this again, is, it's in the, it's it town. Yeah. It wasn't anyone I'm no. close to. It okay. wasn't anyone I really need to worry about. I mean, you know, and it's, it's right. something that so you let can it really, go. really spend energy on. And Sarah, like same with you. It's like, you could have spent your whole week stewing on the car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might stew on it again, but for now I'm feeling good. Well, it's hard not to get so frustrated. I find myself when I'm on hold with, you know, customer service and something is happening with your internet or your phone or, and you're trying to, you know, and they're, they keep hanging up on you. I mean, I can feel myself just get into like such a lather of <laughs> just craziness. I want to mm -hmm. throw my phone across the room and, <laughs> kick the door and <laughs> I don't know how you reframe that but again you have to just say you know what life no one ever said life was supposed to be easy just right. be grateful the days when that when it does run smoothly right yeah life is like a big jumble of of a mess mostly so yeah and anyone who says otherwise is lying <laughs> they're totally full of it <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good segue into our first bit of our topic here, which is about like women and relationships and just all these different things we navigate. But mm -hmm. kind of this question we pose to ourselves, this first one is, you know, how do you feel when you start to realize you're losing a friend due to some big life change? And that I think happens to everyone. Um, whether it's like they're getting married and you're not, you're getting married and maybe they're still single Maybe this person has changed careers, but, you know, how do you navigate that? And we're just kind of here to talk about it. Yeah, it's funny. I just had this conversation with one of my best friends last night, and we were saying that friendships go through seasons just the way you hear marriages do or family relationships, your friendships do too. And just recognizing that makes it feel okay. And I 
usually believe you don't ever have to have a big conversation with someone like, I think we're drifting apart or I don't think we should be friends anymore. I think unless it's really serious, it's really natural to go through seasons and there will be ups and downs with friendships and just hopefully each person in that friendship recognizes it and it can feel natural. And you can know that if you don't see someone for a few months, it's okay. You guys might go back to seeing each other every other week in no time. Yeah. I mean, I think from my perspective, what you're saying is very true, Sarah, and that friendships do go through seasons and sometimes they go through, I mean, there are some friends that maybe I haven't spoken to in years and then I can pick back up with, I've either run into them or something tragic happens and you're reunited, you know, somehow in that way or, um, but true friendships are those that you don't have to talk all the time. You don't have to see each other and make a bunch of effort, but you just know that you have that solid foundation and you will come back together. And some friends, yeah, we've drifted apart, come back together, drifted apart, come back together. Others, you kind of have a consistent relationship with along the way. Others, you know, I've made some of my some best friends just in the last few years. So you never know when you're going to make a new great friendship mm-hmm. and connection and you just have to be open to it all and and just don't resist, don't have that resistance attached to it. Let things happen more naturally. Mm-hmm. And for you guys, I would say I've had to deal with this so much, but what if like one of your friends is new spouses what if you don't like their spouse or what if like your kids don't get along? Like, have you guys seen that affect your friendships? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And Liz, that's like, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> I don't know how much we want to get into this because, you know, there is like the maybe like or not, you know, I like to say some people are just not your people. That's usually what I say. And it's nothing against them. It's just like, sometimes you just don't group with someone. And then there's the whole component with kids. And those are like two big conversations. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll save that for later. But I do think that at least in my experience, when there's been like a mixed match of like, sometimes our spouses don't get along, you know, but Mm -hmm. I love this person. Or like, sometimes, you know, I just really have a challenge with that person. And that has happened like over and over with me in close friendships before in various facets. I find my best bet is to find things to do with that person alone if I can and sometimes that just leads to drifting apart for a while and weirdly like you know with one of my good friends I don't know if she would even mind me saying this because she's now divorced they ended up not working out you know so it was like it wasn't really even over time an issue in the long run because it just didn't end up working out the one thing I will say is don't ever tell that person you don't like their partner no, oh God, no. Ever. <laughs> no, and I think the best friend that you can be is someone that, I mean, I have friends who will share about their, you know, spouses, and I happen to love the spouses as, you know, I love them as well, but I never, I never think differently of 
the person they're talking about because I know that what happens in between a relationship is very um, specific to the dynamics of them. So I never judge from what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. But I will say that like kind of what you said, Liz, I mean, I've never had anything really dramatic where we just didn't like the other person. And, um, but if that were the case, you just naturally do stuff with your friend and you don't do a lot as couples. If you're lucky enough to meet people and you really like them both and as couples, you really get along, then that's amazing. And you do a lot together with them as couples, but if it doesn't work out, you don't make a thing out of it. You just set up a lot of lunches and walks and things with the wife or you do girl nights or, you know, it doesn't have to be talked about or made a big deal. And with kids, you know, a lot of times you make friends initially because of your kids, but then the kids can grow apart. Mm -hmm. And that's happened many times for me. And I think once you establish a friendship with somebody, even if, and if it's true, genuine friendship, even if the kids drift apart, that doesn't really have anything to do with your friendship. If you are real friends, the kids can drift apart and you still remain friends. If you're really only together because of kids, then you'll drift apart as the kids do, you know? Yeah. And just try not to just let it all flow the way it's supposed to. Which Don't I feel try like to make your, your boyfriend or your husband like the other person. If it's <laughs> not there, it's not there. Don't force yeah. it. That's the truth. And I do think there's some Pollyanna viewpoint, like when you're in your 20s, that you're going to like meet your person you marry, and then you're yeah. going to have this shared group of friends, and it's all going to be like symbiotic. And to, the reality is most of the time it's not. Usually mm-hmm. one person likes one of the partners better than the other. You, sometimes you mm-hmm. are just friends for your kids. And, you know, I've come to the standpoint, like, particularly with children, friends, like my kids are always going to be my priority. And so like, if they are drifting apart, I'm going to support my children. And I do appreciate those friendships. And if we can retain them without the children being a factor, great. But if it is a factor and, you know, this kind of segues into our next little bit of this and there's bullying or like negativity placed around your kids have to hang out with my kids. And there's lots of ways this works with women. Then I'm just out. You know, that's kind well, of yeah, favorite. that sounds like a really weird friend to have though. That doesn't sound like a well, friend. <laughs> no, and that's how you kind of start to figure out sometimes yeah. whether someone is a friend or not, because you don't always control who your spouse meets or who your kids meet or who you end up being in contact with for a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. And I think when you have your core friends that you love and you feel supported by, it makes it easier to let go of relationships that aren't going as smoothly you can just kind of let them be how they are because as long as you have your core support system you can lean into that more yeah well when you're married and you have kids and you have a job believe me you don't have time for people that are not making you feel good who don't make you laugh and who are not fun to be around and so it just is easier to navigate because yeah, that's true. So that's a good segue. So there's lots of shaming out there. And I won't just call it like woman shaming, because I think it's like men and women can feel this. But sometimes it's like, 
moms at school. Sometimes it's moms on the playground. Sometimes it's like your colleagues at work. And, you know, I'm just curious what you both do or feel or how you kind of navigate that when you feel like you've gotten into a situation where you're kind of being shamed by someone. I think it's like, I find myself, if I just feel a person and I don't vibe or there's the energy just doesn't work together, I can easily just remove myself in a very quiet way where it's not interrupting anything or, you know, I, if someone feels like they're judging me, I just slowly back away from that person and try to not let them in my happy bubble. (laughs) But that's not always easy to do, um, especially if there's kids involved or, you know, other relationships and other people that are keeping you tied to this person that you don't feel good around. Mm -hmm. But for me, I try to just quietly step away from them and, and what they're putting out. Yeah. You know, I can honestly say that I don't, I don't think I've ever like felt shamed by another woman. And I think it's because I don't think that way. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. it's not even in my, on my radar. So whether or not somebody's thinking they're shaming me, I'm not picking up on it. I just don't even, Mm -hmm. I am unapologetically kind of who I am. I say, don't ask me to volunteer because I'm going to be the worst one that you ever (laughs) asked. So just, I work and I don't want to do it. I don't want to do anything else. I I mean, I just say it like it is. And if they say, well, you know, I mean, people just accept who I am. And I I honestly just have never felt that way before from anyone. So that's lucky in my opinion, because I feel like I talk to friends and my experience has been opposite of that in almost every facet. And I also am unapologetically who I am. But I also feel like that sometimes attracts people who like want to suck that energy And I am also kind of a people pleaser. I've had to like, I would say I'm a recovering people pleaser because I've really had to learn to set some boundaries over time to make sure I don't allow some of those types of individuals into my space. But But again, that comes back to kind of being like what we were talking about, this almost like victimhood where like if whatever's triggering you, you have to sit mm -hmm. back and think like, I'm not triggered in that way for some reason. I don't know why I'm triggered by plenty of other things, but I'm not like, I might be getting the same thing that you're getting. It's just not Mm -hmm. triggering me. Like I'm just not paying attention to it. Right. So maybe there's something within you that is being, you know, triggered by something people are saying where I'm just not even aware of it. Yeah. Like there's triggers everywhere, but I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, I was on the playground one time and my daughter was playing and she spoke really young and like had a really good articulation of words. And this mom was talking to her friend. I didn't know her at all. And her son started coming up and hitting my daughter and she was kind of saying, stop, stop, please. You know? And so finally I went and engaged and was like, okay, you know, your son kind of needs to go over here. My daughter's going to come with me. And this woman just happened to notice that my daughter spoke really well. And she said, oh my gosh, what have you done to teach her that? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure. She's been in preschool since she was young. I work. And the woman slowly backed up to her friend and said, I would never put my kid in daycare. 
this was the child who was like slamming on my child. So that's an example of shaming. That that's not a complex. Yeah, I but have. you, but shaming, shaming can only be shaming if you felt shame over it. Completely. Did and you I feel totally shame. Yeah. Did you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a, maybe I'm not a good mom because I put my no, kid in. No, I did not. I felt fine. Okay, so what does that even mean? So shaming, the- that woman's just an idiot, you know? Okay. Me, that is just an idiot who would say something like that. Yeah. That but, woman's got issues yeah. and she is feeling badly because her kid was pounding on your kid and doesn't mm-hmm. have verbal skills. So yeah. to me, some woman might say that to me. I don't even look at that as shame. I'm like... I would just be like, whatever, like you got problems, lady, you know, I wouldn't take that offensively whatsoever, you know? Yeah. And that's, that is how you live your life. And that's beautiful. And that's why you're a leader and you're able to live in the space and have this great presence that people are attracted to. But at least the majority of the women I know don't have that same ability to navigate that stuff and just let it slide off. So I guess the whole point of this No, I know. And that's the point of the talk. You know, so anyway, we'll move on from this because I think that we're not um, making headway in this in a positive way. But I do think that there is also this like kind of topic of like relationships and gossip and like people who are gossipy versus people who aren't and whether or not that is something that's a good thing to have in your life or how you navigate that when you're feeling like the gossip rumor mill is kind of swirling around you. Do either of you have? experiences with that or thoughts about that that you might think benefit other women uh with gossip it feels so high school right to say Mm -hmm. gossip and you know all of that and it feels like I've moved on from that but there are people like if they're gossiping to you especially if they're not close friends like it it is happening and it's interesting because you know with your close friends you gossip, you chit chat, you, you know, share stories and things and you walk away from that, like just hoping each other keeps those conversations private. But, you know, I find the toxic gossiping is when it's people you don't know very well are coming up to you and telling you all these secrets about other people. And you're like, oh gosh, so what are you saying about me? Mm -hmm. And again, that's just something you can look at and probably step away from if you can recognize it. And yeah, like with gossip, you just really have to trust the people that you are sharing things with if you're worried about other people knowing or talking about it behind your back. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's I think like- you just have to be very careful what you say to people, because if you're talking about somebody else to someone, they most likely are going to know or think that you're, that you then are probably talking about them with somebody else. Yep. It's funny how early it starts too. And like, it just is an interesting dynamic to navigate. Like I'm already watching my daughter navigate that in middle school with like, Oh no, I told this person this thing and they've now told that person and you know how quickly it makes it around. And it's not even the same thing when it comes back to you. But yeah, they called that. What did we call that? Telephone when we were young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How the story gets very skewed. Mm -hmm. But it's fun to gossip. That's the hard part. It's fun, especially if you don't. Sometimes you can get carried away, you know, 
and it's, you can start talking about something and the next thing you know, and especially if there's alcohol involved, you got to be real careful. Yeah. Loose lips, they say, with alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. What is that? Like when you're with your close friends and you're all drinking wine or you're out at dinner, like why is it so easy to indulge in like chatting about these controversial things that are happening and so-and-so did this and did you hear that? It's like sometimes I leave those moments like the next morning, I will feel so guilty that I indulged in it. But why in the moment is it so easy to fall into that? That is a good question. I think, so someone said this to me once and I can't remember if it was in a class, like a psychology class or something, but that gossip is women's form of storytelling. And we've been doing it for like thousands of years and well, as long as women in groups have existed and it is a real dangerous dynamic, but it also is how the information used to be shared. It was like from village to village, the women would talk in their circle while they were making food or like, you know, putting together some kind of clothing. And that is how stories from those communities and the news Mm -hmm. would be shared. And why do men not gossip? (laughs) Like when I listen to my boyfriend and his friends talk, it's, it's never, I mean, to me, it's not as bonding the way women talk, I think it bonds us together. And that's how we find connections with other women. But for guys, like they talk about like, sports, the weather, business. (laughs) Yeah. And and they just they tend to not gossip. So good job, guys, if you're one of those guys that don't gossip. Yeah. But But maybe the negative connotation isn't like what Christina was saying, it's fun. And like, I think as long as like, you're not going down a really negative road of being really mean to someone or, you know, I think sometimes it's okay to just go, this is what's happening right now. And I'll participate in it to the degree I feel comfortable, but not. Be well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's really important when you do go down that road of, you know, gossiping a little bit that to be somebody who can make sure that the conversation doesn't go any farther than, than, what you had with with that group or have you ever met that woman that you know will come to you and say oh I just thought you should know so and so said this about you you know Mm -hmm. and you're like why would you tell me that you know (laughs) like I don't need to know that like that was what they were talking about that has nothing like you're just either trying to hurt me or you're trying to get us to not be friends or you know that that to me is always so off-putting that shows me so much about that person that would say something you know it's one thing if I mean there are extenuating circumstances where you know this doesn't apply um but for just general the mill gossip or if someone says oh do you know what so-and-so said about your child you know I'm like no Mm -hmm. I don't want to know don't tell me yeah you know don't tell me what they said about my kid, okay? Like, they, I have a good relationship with them. They're friends with me. Just let me, I don't want to know, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very wise statement to make because I do think you can choose. It goes back to everything we talked about earlier, but you can choose what gossip you're willing to take into about yourself or anyone else. And 
you know, I do know the people I respect the most are people that will, you know, engage in something like that for a few minutes and be like, change the subject, we move on to our lives. It's not like, right, this is the thing we're going to talk about for the next five hours, right? Right. Or you or you or you, to me, I always like to see all sides of things. So if someone's like telling me about a situation with another person, and they're, you know, kind of talking badly about them, I'll say, Oh, well, you know, what's going on in their life, or I try to think about that being in their shoes and the other person's shoes. And I try to point out different points of view so that we're not bashing anybody. We're trying to figure out, like, my whole thing is I love to figure out, like, what makes people tick and what makes them do the things they do or how they act, you know? And it's usually because something's going on in their life or they're, you know, they're miserable or they're, you know, they're unhappy with themselves or whatever, whatever it is, you know, I like to kind of pull those things out. So it's not like somebody's just a villain. Yeah. No, there are, I mean, in the world, everyone is villain to their own degree, right? And we all have moments where we should be proud and moments when we can improve. Yeah, but mistakes are lessons, remember? Mistakes are lessons. So in teaching our children about these types of things, what do you tell your kids, Christina? Like, how do you help them kind of, when they come to you with one of these issues we've talked about, how do you kind of help them decide how to With boys, it's been mostly kind of bullying stuff. Like they'll come home and say, oh, so-and-so said this to me, or they, you know, it's a lot of words, you know, they said this to me and it hurt my feelings. They told me I was terrible at basketball, or they told me I had skinny arms or that I, (laughs) they don't like my sports team. I don't know, silly things that I just say, you know, you can't put too much, you know, you can say that really hurt my feelings or, you know, don't talk to me that way. You can tell them that, but try not to, try not to hang on to it because especially with boys, I mean, they say stuff and the next day it's completely blown over, you know, it's their back playing together. It's, you know, it's forgotten. And I always try to point out, well, what do you think? Well, first of all, I always say, well, what did you say to them first? Cause you probably said something first. <laughs> And if you didn't, and they just attacked you out of out of nowhere, then stand up for yourself, and then you know know that they probably have something going on with them that make, is making them unhappy, and that's why they had to lash out at you. And sometimes I will talk to the, the mom, you know. Sometimes, especially if they're you know good friends of mine, and we will talk about it. I feel like in a way that's very. Um, a lot of times we laugh about it where we're like, oh my gosh, this is kind of funny what happened, but let's each go back and talk to our boys. Or, you know, we have had circumstances where we'll bring the boys together and we'll sit down and we'll talk Mm -hmm. it out and we'll try to point, you know, one kid will have his side of the story and the other will have his and we'll show each other. Oh, look, you know, he felt this way and he thought you said this to him and like, let's work this out. So I never, I never, uh, I never, call up a mom and say, well, your son did this to my boy. And, you know, I never attack in that way because it takes two to tango always. And so it's more trying to teach them how to handle relationships in life because we're, we're always going to have, we're always going to have this come up and it's how you, it's how you take it in and how you, 
you know, how you reply. And I mean, every day I have new, a new scenario that I'm dealing with. So <laughs> I try to, I try to just handle it in the most diplomatic way possible. Yeah. Where my husband says, if they throw a punch or they, then you punch them back harder so they'll never punch you again. Yeah. So that's, that's his solution. So I just sit back and go, well, I'm not a boy. I don't know about that, but um. yeah. Sarah, did your parents ever give you any like pieces of advice as you were growing up that you could hold on to or felt like you would use yeah. again in parenting? I think, I mean, I think honestly, like as a parent, like I saw how my parents were and they always spoke kindly of people and, they were a, a reflection of how I should have been. Now, I think hearing Christina, she's a boy mom, like girls can be so mean in like mm -hmm. elementary and middle school. And, you know, I probably had little phases of that. I have memories that, that still stick with me where a girl said, oh, I don't like Sarah's red pants. They're faded. Or, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is she, what dress is that? And it's a dress my mom made in first grade. And these things I still remember. And it's so funny because those girls, I will still be like, those are the mean girls. I still remember them that way. And so I don't know. Luckily, I was able to move on from that. And, you know, I kind of like how Christina's like, oh, if, you know, whatever. I have better things going on. They can do whatever. Like, I love that. And I, I think I try to embody that because those, you know, I don't think they really affected me. I don't consider myself a mean girl. I think however my parents raised me, however things worked out through you know, my childhood, I, you know, have learned to come out on top. But Liz, I know you have a daughter and it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, what do you tell your daughter in dealing with yeah. mean girls? Yeah. yeah. How, what's the difference? Because I don't have a daughter. Like, what's the difference yeah. between what you would tell your daughter over your son? You know? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think a world of difference because my daughter can't just go in and throw a punch. <laughs> she can't yeah. do that. I feel like boys get she a lot of pull their hair. You know, I, mean, their eyes. I would never tell her to do that because I don't also think that would be beneficial in those dynamics because they're much more complex with women. Like you said, it's like boys right. forget the next day. And I'm speaking, you know, of boys who are traditionally, you know, focused, like, a, you know, the way I imagine masculine yeah. energy growing up mm -hmm. is like, that's how they're going to solve it. In fact, my mom was raised kind of like a boy and her, she was the eldest of six kids and her dad used to tell her, Denise, you go down there and you punch him so hard that he can't get up and you run as fast as you can. And that was how right. she grew up. <laughs> but right. nowadays you will get suspended if you do that. So, um, you know, at least as a, as a girl in certain settings. So I don't know. She's been dealing with well, a lot of- Well, you'll get suspended as a boy too, but- yeah. And my husband said, you know, I'll take you to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sixth grade is like a real transition time, which is the grade she's in. And it's, there is already a lot of dynamics. I'll just say that. And I just feel like I try. We talk about it a lot. She likes to talk a lot about it with me, which I feel is really fortunate because she could say nothing. But when we talk about it, I usually try to come back to, okay, same as you said, Christina, did you do anything first? Like, what was it that started this? With my particular child, oftentimes she's inserting herself as the mediator. So then I have mm -hmm. to remind her that that is not your job. You need to remove yourself from situations that don't involve you. And if it is really involving her, I usually, 
ask her first, are you being kind? But second, you know, you don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't have to like everyone. You just need to kindly say what you need to say to protect your space. Because there are all kinds of things happening for school. Well, I mean, not to bring it up again, but I'm going to, to go back to the shaming. There's a lot of shaming that happens when you're young, I feel like. And that, Mm -hmm. I mean, that happened to me many times growing up. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's kind of where, you know, it starts and where you can try to re you know, really drive home the fact that people don't, people don't shame unless they themselves are full of shame. Yes. And, but, you know, depending on the child, my daughter is really sensitive and really empathetic and she will take that as it is now my job to fix that person. It is very Mm. interesting. So I've had to start to kind of, kind of impress on her what I hope she'll be like, which is like you, Christina, which is not how I've always been. But, you know, if you know better, you do better. So I'm trying to help my daughter learn. Do not Mm -hmm. be the type of person who takes on everybody's problems and everybody's battles. Right, because so, she'll marry a man that she thinks yeah. she's going to fix. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, she's learning we that. Right? know you can't do that. <laughs> no, but she's learning. She's doing a really good job. In fact, the other day, she had a friend who thinks that she's my daughter's best friend, and my daughter's trying to distance herself from her. And this is a sixth oh. grader, so I'm very proud of her for even understanding that concept. And she mm-hmm. said, Mom, so, you know, she said, are we not best friends anymore? And I said, you know, I'm friends with everyone. And I was like, good for you. <laughs> she walked away. That's sweet. <laughs> That's not what that girl wanted to hear, though. No, no, no. <laughs> that really bugged that girl, I'll tell you. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which maybe is a good, like, way to close out, which is, I think, like, there's a difference between, in my opinion, having this kind of confident feeling in your life of like, I will proceed how I want. I'm not going to let these things get to me, you know, being kind in those ways you proceed and being mean in the way you articulate yourself. And we all know the difference, I think, in different people we've encountered, like someone can nicely or kindly say to you, you know, that doesn't work for me right now. Or maybe you're out of like the ebb of friendship and you're like, not, you know, going to hang out with that person for a while. And we all have ways we deal with that. But do you have any thoughts or just final like closing feelings about like the difference between being what we would all call a mean girl and someone who is just like protecting their space? Hmm. That's, that's loaded because I I can often wonder that and think, how do I not be a doormat or someone's walking all over me? And I'm like, I don't care. And then where's the line of, no, I need to say something and stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just case by case. And I think knowing yourself and learning about yourself can help you figure that out. Yeah. I don't know if it's too much of a broad statement to say most of the time, it's probably not worth it. If to address these small little things, it's like, just worry about yourself and, you know, how you can make yourself happy. And if someone doesn't feel good, like, you know back away from them. Like your daughter said, just slowly step away from them. You made me think of that. (laughs) I mean, I don't like confrontation or conflict. So maybe that is what drives the way that I am. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. So 
I would never probably confront somebody. I would just let things sort of naturally slide. Mm -hmm. And it's worked so far. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the time, I think you feel better if you just wait a little while and see how you feel. Because I feel like the times I've had to learn over time to be less confrontational because my nature is to be a bulldozer. I had to grow up in a very interesting environment where I was an adult at a very young age. So I think Mm -hmm. I took that and thought I have to protect everyone I love. And the way I'm going to do that is telling people when they're in my space and, you know, but over time I've realized if I just wait 24 hours or even a week, it all goes away. (laughs) I don't even know. It all resolves itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good advice. Yeah. Like when people talk about boundaries and that kind of thing, I don't, Again, that's something that like is like a language that I don't really understand because I don't think about it like that. Like I've never said, I've never said, oh, I've never set like an intentional boundary. I've just mm-hmm. kind of gradually just go, this doesn't feel good to me when I'm yeah. around this person. It make like I I know when I'm around a person and I automatically feel competitive with them or like have a jealous feeling, I will think, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? And then I'll realize, oh, maybe they're actually feeling competitive of me yeah. or jealous of me. And that's why I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's them feeling it towards me or I'm feeling it towards them, I know it's not, that's not a healthy right place to be and so it makes me sit back and analyze like why am I feeling this way what are they triggering inside of me and maybe they don't have those feelings about me at all but it just makes I take it back on to myself like okay something I need to work on yeah. why am I why am I feeling this way I love that really so much. nothing to do with that yeah well because you're in control it goes back to the whole it's so funny we might have to retitle yeah. this episode it's like you are in control of how everything that comes into your space in your world affects you. So, Yeah, and how you feel. I never used to understand that. What do you mean I have control how I feel? I feel how I feel. Like, mm-hmm. how do I control my thoughts? I, but I'm learning and realizing. And by the way, I just want to preface that when we're talking and it sounds like, oh, Christina's this know-it-all. Like, she, she seems to have it all figured out. It's really that I have been in all of these places in all the you know I've felt all these things I have felt you know confused and sad and shamed and all of those things it's now on this end of in this part of my life that I see things so differently just Mm -hmm. from being through it all you know yeah well your wisdom is always appreciated yeah and, and it's, it's not, not from a lack of a lot of hard work and introspection. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just um, because I'm fascinated, like my whole goal in life is to always figure out how can I feel the best. Mm. And I'm realizing that shopping and drinking and all those things that are good in the moment, those aren't what make you feel good inside always. And so that's just been my quest in life is like, how can I feel good inside all the time no matter what's happening on the outside yeah 
Well, and that's what comes, that's why we have this podcast. It's the stages, you know, different stages mm-hmm. of life. And each of us is at a different juncture. And I'd be curious to talk to each of us in like 20 years and see where we're at on that other side. Um, but we're going to end this with like just a little bit of a different take this week. We usually end with a quote, but we're kind of feeling like we want to just end things differently. So um, we're going to quickly, because we don't have much time left, talk about the best date we ever had. And I don't think it has to be like, it doesn't have to be a romantic date. I'm just throwing that out there, ladies. But like (laughs) the best date you ever had, what was it? Or the worst date, right? Or the worst. Either or. Or the worst. The worst worst is more fun than best. Oh, good. Okay, well, it's funny because maybe you can cut this part out because I thought I saw in your response that you wanted to talk about the best, not the worst. But I would rather talk about the worst date because that is a hilarious story. So, (laughs) but I don't want to No, no, no. I said, I have a best one. Oh, gotcha. I've had many worst ones. Uh And I was going to share my best one just because I want to hear it. You get to go. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, this is embarrassing, but um, I will say. Um, so when I was sixteen, I went on a date with Rob Lowe, and that goes down as the most memorable date probably I've ever had. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to give all the details. If you know me personally, you probably already know the story, and if you don't, <laughs> you can ask me later. It's too long. <laughs> It is a good story. That was definitely the most memorable date I ever had. I love it. Ooh, Rob Lowe. And he was a really nice guy, by the way, in case he listens to this. Yeah, I was going to say And he's still really handsome. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Sarah? Okay, mine is, yeah, I do have a lot of bad worst dates, but I will share one from college. I had a, a dorm dorm date because that's what you could do in college is hang out in each other's dorms. So I was going to go meet this boy that I had liked for a very long time. I was so nervous. Like I would always get so bright red and like sweaty palms when I was nervous. And I was like, you know what, Sarah, like suck it up. You like this boy, go hang out with him. So I'm like walking to his dorm and a bird like poops all over me, all over my head my shirt. And I'm like, so nervous that I'm frazzled. I'm like, well, do I go back and change? Do I tell him I'm running late? I was like, no, it'll be fine. Like, it'll be funny. I'll walk in there and he'll help me. And I go in and I see him like, oh, a bird pooped on me. And it was just like, he didn't know what to do or how to help me. Like I'm bright red. Like we're both so nervous. It was so uncomfortable. I think he did try to help me clean up the bird poop. And we like, tried to hang out and like watch a show together and it was just so uncomfortable totally I, awkward you're like yeah that didn't go over so yeah I <laughs> couldn't get out of there fast enough and then I think I just let it go that me and this boy would never <laughs> never date like telling all his friends about you like yeah. oh, the girl was came with a bunch of bird do all over <laughs> yeah she was uh, really hot but the bird do kind of like you know yeah, I think the bird was trying to warn me it wasn't going to work out in advance. <laughs> uh, the way you can learn from that past mistake is you should have gone home and changed your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Told him you'd be late. <laughs> so mine is from college, which I think is, you know, fitting considering where yours both came from. But 
I went on this date that was frankly completely unmemorable with a guy. I don't remember his name. We went to a movie. He was really just not my cup of tea. Um, never called him again. He called me a bunch of times. The reason it was such a bad date was because fast forward nine months and I was a server at a restaurant in Laguna Beach. And this dude comes in with his friend to eat dinner and I'm serving him. And I keep wondering why this guy keeps looking at me so weirdly and kind of like whispering with his friend. And I get all the way to the end and I'm like, hey, you know, do I know you from somewhere? And he goes, yeah, we went on a date six months ago. My name's blah, blah, blah. Don't you remember? And he was like so offended. God. I was like, oh, oh well, then you look like the cool girl. You're like, no, very unmemorable. Did he look, did he look better or worse than you remember? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was the worst moment because I, it made me feel like a piece of horrible human being, but um, he, it was hilarious. Like, don't you remember we made out? No, no. No, we definitely did not make out. It was like, I, I did remember it after he left, but his friend was like dying laughing. He was dying because his friend was beat red. I didn't remember who he was. Well, that was the worst for him, right? Like how embarrassing in front of his friend yeah. that you were like, uh, sorry, I don't remember you at all. Well, it clearly was, it was the worst date I'd ever been in because I didn't even remember. <laughs> I blocked it out. So, Oh, my God. Anyway. I've had well, yeah, when I was dating, we didn't have – there was no dating apps. There were no cell phones. Yeah. I remember one time I, I got set up on a blind date, and I was at a bar, and I got to, I was friendly with the, the bartender. And so we saw the guy walk in and right away I looked at the bartender. We were both like, oh God, no. And I like got up and ran into the bathroom and he, this poor guy sat there for like a half an hour and realized I wasn't going to show up. Yeah. yeah. Like, how so? so fun. Okay. Well, we're going to end there. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We absolutely love these conversations. We hope you do too. And if you do, please give us a five-star review because we are trying to grow our audience right now so we can reach more women and share your stories along with our own. So we appreciate you and we'll talk next week.